Welcome to Capital Edge Church. We have a fantastic message for you that we hope challenges, inspires, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into it. How are you? Isn't God good? Someone once told me when I was uh, in my teens and I first came to Canberra, a good pastor, I was involved in uh, planting a church with him. He said to me once, Alan, it's not how steep the road is, it's how long the road is. And, uh, you know, many of us here can, uh, can thank the Lord that it's not just the moment of blessing, it's not just the, the, uh, uh, what we used to call a shower of blessing, but, but the, the length of time, you know, we can still say God is good. Uh, and I think uh, there are a few people I know who can attest to that as much as Pastor Bill Cathy. John, Pastor John Cathy's son. Uh, I've, father, sorry. <laughs> Uh, uh, Benjamin Button has got nothing on us. <laughs> um, I, I first met Pastor Kathy uh, back in uh, back in about 1974, and he was serving the Lord and is still serving the Lord. God is good. Over the years, over the decades, God is good. It's not how steep the road is; it's how long it is, and we're in it for the long haul. So, God bless you, Pastor Bill. Welcome to Canberra. I love autumn. I love cold weather. And uh, you've come at just the right season. So I uh, hope you have a, a lovely time here in Canberra. We've been, um, how are you all? Yeah, that, that's good. I've left my wife and our home group uh, out at the, the cotter. We've been camping, uh, feeling the cold, feeling the love. Uh, and so and I, and I rushed back this morning and, and got rid of the smoke and I come to you fresh. Uh, but uh, it, it's a wonderful time of the year, you know, snow in Tasmania this morning. Yeah. All the winter lovers, are, you know, we're, we're right there. Um, I want us to turn, please, to, um, to Mark chapter 8. I like the gospel of Mark. Some people say, if someone's a new Christian, give them John. You know, and they, they open it up and, and they've got to start reading and understanding Greek philosophy. But Mark is just like picking up and reading the Canberra Times on a Saturday morning. It's story after story after story, and it's really simple. I can read it. Uh, you know, any one of us can get right into it. Mark has a lot to say about what we've been transitioning through from, from uh, the, the, the idea of Jesus as the Messiah, uh, because that was his title, to, to Jesus as the suffering servant. And they're not incongruous. They do go together. Uh, and so this, this passage says it really well. In Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 31, you can look at the screen or you can look at your Bible or your, your, your whatever you look at, except the people around you. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others that you're one of the prophets. And in case you think I've forgotten, I know I preached from this text a few weeks ago, so I haven't forgotten. <laughs> it's not, you know, I didn't wake up the wrong side of bed and think it's wrong date. But, but, and, and then Jesus asked him, who, but who do you say that I am? Jesus, Peter replied, you are the Messiah. But Peter warned, uh, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. Lord, I want to thank you today that even though the world thinks of suffering in a, in a negative light, 
Our Lord, for you, your suffering was what brought us into your light. And you brought us into peace and salvation. And we can say today, God, you are so good to each one of us because of the suffering servant. The one who came, who knew no sin, who didn't sin, who didn't, who didn't even answer back, who didn't get angry uh, without cause, who, who didn't take it out on people, but who suffered because you were buying a gift of eternal life for us. Help us to grasp it this morning. Help us to grip it and to take it out into our lives and make it transformative in each one of our lives. Lord, let your Holy Spirit uh, take these simple words and, and drill into our hearts and bring life and release and liberty and hope and faith in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory. Amen, amen. and amen. Well, something extraordinary happened just over a week ago. I, 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 I go walking every morning and I thought, it's different. Something's happened. Because for a few hours, the world stopped talking about COVID. Go, yeah, get that. For a few hours, the world stopped talking about vaccines and politics and hundreds of millions of people all around the world focused on the Christian message of Easter. Even my friends at the ABC, they had Easter services and I thought, wow, you know, God can penetrate any fortress. You know, and, 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 and it, was, it was remarkable that, that, that uh, you know, this message of Jesus was, was, was being beamed out all around the world on television, radio, internet, uh, you know, people speaking to one another. Uh, they, you know, here's the death of the Son of God who goes into lockdown and is freed from lockdown on that great resurrection morning. And for a few hours, the media talked about hope and new life and resurrection, and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and why we should embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ and make Jesus the center of our lives. What a powerful message, because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. We're, we're continuing this theme. Uh, let, let's not drop it. Let's, we're continuing this theme of the suffering servant. You know, a few weeks ago, the last time I preached, I was talking about Jesus Jesus is his name. Christ is his title. He's, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power uh, to bring a, a, about God's purpose and plan in the world. And yet he was always God. He was always God. And even when he came into the world, having emptied himself of the glory that he had with the Father for a moment and becoming human for us, he came into the world supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit and operated with unprecedented power over nature, over sickness, over demons, over death and set men free and can do the same to, uh, uh, to our world in which we live today. Today is the same st story of Easter, the same, the same co the continuation of the same, uh, the same message, the suffering servant who lives to bring us eternal life. Easter is the segue. He dies on Friday. He rises, rises from the dead on Sunday morning, and we give one another uh, sugar-free chocolate Easter eggs to prove it. And, but, but, but when we put it all together, you know, here's Jesus uh, uh, suffering for sin, suffering on a cross and rising from the dead. Here is Jesus, the Messiah, the mighty Messiah, become a suffering servant. It's all the same story. It's not a contradiction. They're all inextricably linked to, uh, together. You can't have one without the other. 
And this idea of the Messiah becoming the suffering servant is, 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 is the center. And it's so fundamental to God's plan. And many people in Jesus, they stumbled over that. Many people still stumble over that. How can, how can he be the son of God? How can he be the Messiah? How can he be the anointed one if, 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 uh, if he allows himself to be taken and go through the, the process of the cross that we all know? And yet the Bible tells us, and we all know if we're Christians, that it's essential for our salvation. It's essential for who we are as children of the living God. It's essential for who we are so that we can have the kind of hope that we've been singing and talking about this morning. I have hope because Jesus died for me. I have hope because he was raised again for me. And, and that should excite us um, more than we, we often let our faces know. But what, 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 you know, what did it mean? Come on, you're Christians, aren't you? You're Christians. What does it mean? It seems there's a quandary here. I want to talk about that quandary. Then I want to talk about the, 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 the twist in the plot. Uh, and finally, how we respond to this great revelation of the suffering servant coming into our lives and bringing eternal life uh, that, that we experience and, and, and we just enjoy and gives us hope for the future. Amen? There is no doubt in my mind, and I, I've spent all my life studying history. I like studying history and empires and politics and all those kinds of things that, you know, people don't go to the library anymore to read. Uh, but I like studying history. And there is no doubt in my mind that the, the, the life and the death, the three-year ministry of Jesus Christ created an enormous sense of hope uh, and, and expectation, not just among his followers, but among the nation into which he'd come. He came preaching the, the, the kingdom of God has come. And he preached with boldness. He preached fearlessly. Uh, he confronted injustice. He performed miracles and signs and wonders everywhere he went. He spoke God's word with authority. And, and as a result, people loved him and people hated him. You couldn't, be, you couldn't stand in the middle. When you met Jesus, either you loved him or you hated him, but you couldn't be neutral. He had enemies. But as the crowds grew, most, but, you know, we, we remember the story, but let's, let's, let's go over it for a second. As the crowds grew, the disciples uh, uh, had a hope that they were on, they, 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 they'd bought the winning ticket. Right? They, 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 um, they, they, they'd chosen the right side. And so when the final confrontation came, he would emerge victor and they would be right at his side, sharing his honor, sharing his glory, uh, sharing the kingdom, sharing, sharing the, 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 the adulation of the crowds. What a plan. What a plan. And as they approached the climax, Jesus sets his sight on the city of Jerusalem and he knows what's going to happen. And, and this is the moment in, in, in time in which he says, who am I? And we went through this, through this a few weeks back. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're a prophet. You're a mighty man. You know, but, but who do you say that I'm? Well, you're the son of God. You're, 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 sorry, you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. And who's going to, to bring uh, God's plan and purpose? And Jesus said, you're absolutely right. You know, you didn't make it up. You didn't get it from a cornflakes packet. You didn't, you didn't win it in a prize. God revealed to you the eternal truth that I'm the, I'm the Messiah. And that the moment, of, of the moment that everyone's been waiting for, all the false messiahs who, who, who came and went, all the false prophets, all the, all the teachers, all the empires who came and went, this was the moment of time. This was the big moment. And so Jesus sets himself, he sets his eyes on the landing pad of the temple in Jerusalem, which had been attracting people from all over the Jewish community around the world ever since the, it was rebuilt after, after the, the captivity. 
Um, and, and, but then all of a sudden, the dialogue changes. The first part of the passage is, you know, we're right on track. You are the Messiah. And then Jesus says, that, that's right, that's right. And, and I'm the Messiah and I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die. And I'm going to be rejected. And I'm going to be buried. And if you wait long enough, I'm going to rise from the dead. And all of a sudden, the dialogue changes because the coming of Jesus was not what the crowds were hanging up for. They hoped the Messiah would come in their generation. Everyone hoped that the Messiah would come in their generation and that God would be the victor because everyone loves a winner. Everyone wants to back a, a, a winner. You know, everyone wanted the Messiah to be a great warrior, a charismatic hero who would come and zap his enemies uh, and cleanse them and put them on top. No longer would they have to put up with being, being underneath no, and being dominated and being ruled over by foreigners. But there's this critical moment. At this critical moment, when they're absolutely convinced that this is the time, Jesus says, well, actually, uh, I've got a different plan to what you're expecting because what lies ahead of us uh, is betrayal and manipulation and rejection and suffering and death. And, and suddenly they're confronted with this quandary. We're following you because you're, you're the great victor. What's all this talk about death? You know, Jesus, you, you just, just, it doesn't make sense. And there's a sense, even, even Isaiah in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, he says, Lord, who has believed our report? You know, how, 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 how can we believe this? It doesn't work like this. this the Messiah, the servant of God, the, the Redeemer, the, uh, the, the King who is coming, how can he talk about rejection and suffering and death? Who can believe this kind of message? And so they try and talk him out of it. They try and talk him out of it. He's talking about defeat and betrayal and state-sponsored murder. And how, how can this be the language of a Messiah? You know, we want, we want somebody who's positive, a positive thinker. A few rabbis uh, reading the writings of prophets like Isaiah uh, understood that, that they, these two were two sides of the same coin, but most of them rejected it and, and to this day still reject it, that Jesus could be the Messiah could also be the suffering servant. Um, they believed that the true Messiah was the prophet anointed by God who'd be victor of the, their greatest enemies and bring about God's sovereign plan and purpose on earth. So what did it mean when he started talking about being a servant and suffering? No one likes to talk about suffering. No one likes to talk about dying. No one likes to talk about being betrayed. They were shocked. They were so shocked they thought Jesus had lost the plot. And that's why they tried to talk him out of it. And they told him so. They said, Jesus, just stick to the message. Stick to the message. Stick to the spin. You know, you're the Messiah. You're the, you're, you're, you're the hero. You're the cosmic great one who's come to, to bring us back into the place where we belong. But Jesus says, Jesus says, God's purpose lies through suffering and redemption and betrayal and death and resurrection uh, at the end of that. Long, long, long ago before Jesus came, God had promised to raise up his servant who would bring the world back to himself. This servant would have dominion and would accomplish God's plan and purpose among, among the nations. But the key component of this plan, this grand strategy, was that he would do through suffering. And it didn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense today. It doesn't make sense. That, that we as Christians should put our hope in someone who came and promised so much and, and, and who died as, as a result of that process. 
Well, God doesn't, God, you know, we, we say God, it doesn't make sense. Uh, but, but Jesus says it doesn't have to make sense. It's what's God, what God has always planned. And yet, and yet the message seemed ambiguous. And, and in fact, if you think about it, this quandary, this message, this, this ambiguity between the Messiah and the suffering servant, it was so ambiguous that even Satan didn't get it. And he drove Jesus to the cross, not realizing that that was going to be the point of victory. Not realizing that that was going to be the point of Satan's defeat. Right? The message was always there. And Jesus said, it's always the way that God planned it to be. And Satan got it wrong. Praise God. He didn't see it coming. He thought that he could get rid of the Messiah and, and, and that would be the end of it. And Jesus says, hey, this is the beginning. Life has changed. Eternity has changed. God's plan, God's redemption, God's, God's way of salvation has been brought about. The Messiah wasn't destined to be some cosmic force uh, equipped to overthrow the system by human power. He could have. But his real objective was to become a servant. Philippians says, you know, he left it all and took upon himself the form of, of a person, a form of a man who became a servant and was obedient, uh, even to, you know, obedient to death, even death on a cross. How can this be the Messiah? How can the suffering servant be the Messiah? And yet only by doing this would he be able to save the world. Do you believe that? This is our message. Only by identifying with us in our suffering could he prove that he knows us and cares for us and loves us and what we go through and is able to give us hope for the future only by being there with us. So there's a twist in the plot. I'm sure you got it by now. <laughs> there's a twist. Mark begins his account of the gospel because we, we read from Mark chapter 8. Chapter 1 says, this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. This whole story is the good news of the coming of the Messiah. And then he reveals the twist in the plot. Imagine the conversation. Jesus says, you call me Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, and you're absolutely spot on. But there's a twist here because that's not how it works. And that gets her attention. Jesus said, no, no, that, that's not how it works. He says, I'm the Messiah, you're right, God's revealed it to you, I'm the promised one, I'm, I, am, I, am, I am the one the world's been waiting for and I stand among you like a servant. I'm, I'm the Messiah and so I'm prepared to get down on my hands and knees and wash your dusty feet as your servant. I'm prepared to take the bread and break it and give it to you as a slave would give food to his or her master. Uh, and, and, and many of them didn't get it. And Peter sees Jerusalem and hears the story and says, Jesus, surely not. Surely not. Jesus, you know, for a moment, you, you've got it wrong. And so a few days later, a couple of weeks ago, I attended a Hosanna service in another, another Christian movement. And they were waving palm trees around. And I was thinking what it must have been like. You know, Peter heard the two sides of the same, same story. But, 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 but he sees Jesus going to Jerusalem, the crowd's coming out to meet him, and he says, this is more like it. This is more like it. Um, and, and from then it goes downhill all the rest of the way. <laughs> Through to the betrayal. Can you imagine in the garden? You know, Jesus is about to be handed over to his enemies, about to be betrayed, and Jesus says, well, I could call 10,000 10, angels. And so Peter said, well, go on, do it. Do it. <laughs> 
don't, don't, don't stuff around. Just, just do it. Get us out of this. And Jesus said, no, that's not the way it works. And we can only understand this by revelation. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in our heads. It doesn't make sense in our logic. You know, we try and work it out. It's only by revelation. And the same revelation that Peter needed to understand that Jesus was the Messiah was the revelation that he needed and that we need to know that the coming of the Messiah who would suffer as a servant was the way that God would bring bring us back to himself. And later on, Peter's sitting in in the shadows. Uh, at, 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 at the near the temple, you know, what, 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 watching and waiting as they've taken Jesus into captivity. And you know, now's the time for the superhero to take off his, his, uh, his rags and show his super, superhero, super Messiah status. Uh, and, and, and then Jesus stands before Pilate, king confronting the representative of the greatest kingdom in the world. And, P- and, and, and Pilate says, are you a king? Uh, and then at the end of the conversation, he goes out to the people who they really they hate Jesus, and, they, and, and, and Pilate says, "Hey, this is your king. Look, this is your king. You know, your deliverer, your hope, your future glory." And then he slaps him down and orders him to be crucified. And what's more, he, or, he orders a sign to be made that says, "This is your king." And and and, and the people they, they, they're so offended. They're so offended. How can you call this 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 crucified criminal? How can you call him our king? And and Pilate says, "Well, yeah, yeah, no, you just take it on board. That's the irony, uh, you know." And so the, the, there's a sign that says, "King Jesus, King Jesus." Here's the satire of King Jesus wearing a crown of thorns, not a real crown of gold, a crown of thorns. And his followers are in despair. And Pilate's standing back and saying, behold your superhero dying on a cross. His back so badly bruised and beaten that it looks like a plowed field. This Messiah who could cause storms to cease, who could cause the dead to come back to life. This Messiah who has all power and, 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 and authority over demons and, and, and sickness. He's, he's, he's so powerful that when he takes the cross on his back, he, he, he crumbles, he stumbles. Get up. He can't. He can't. You know, he, he stumbles. What, how, and how can we reconcile these two pictures? The Messiah who's stumbling because he doesn't have the strength to take the cross all the way to, the, the cross all the way to Calvary. And um, so, you know, he's put to death, bleeding, breathing, trying to breathe. And, uh, and above him, the sign, King Jesus, with your great crown of thorns, you're, you're our hero. See from his head, the old hymn writer wrote, wrote, see from his head, his hands and his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? When it's all over, they take him. We sing that song, Messiah still all alone in a grave, and it's not even his own. He has to borrow it from somebody else. else. He hasn't got anything. And, And at the end of all that, tying it into what Pastor John was sharing last week, you know, the disciples are on their way out to Emmaus, which is not, you know, it's only a few hours' walk from Jerusalem. And, and they're saying, we, we had thought. We, had, we followed him and, and we thought that he was the Messiah. And, but Jesus says, but that's the way it was always going to be. It was always going to happen that way. And Isaiah says, when you see it, 
You'd better believe it. Who's believed our report? You'd better believe it. Because this is the Messiah who is wounded for our sins, who is bruised for our iniquities. And, 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 you know, and, and, and he took all the punishment of, of God and the wretchedness and, and the rejection of sin. He took it upon himself so that you and I could be free today. And, and, and more than that, he says, not only will he be buried, but he will live to see his descendants. He will rise from the dead. You've got to understand the Easter message in the context of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is no message. Without the resurrection, there is no hope. Romans 10 says that if you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can't take the resurrection out of it. This is how the, the, the Messiah becomes the suffering servant who becomes the glorious king. And he's yours and he's mine today. And he's the one who gives us life and hope. And that's why I'm a Christian. And that's why I continue to follow him. Decades after I made that decision, I'm going to follow Jesus. Come high, come low, because he's been there, he's done it, and he's reigning today. And one day you and I will reign together with him. Amen? This is how it works. And I've been around the world and I've lived around the world and I've looked at other religions and you've heard me say something like this before and there is no other religion in the world who does that, who does it like that, who achieves it like that. Only the gospel. And that's the story of Easter. And that's why we had to stop talking about COVID and vaccines and politics for a few hours because it's only the story of Easter the one who died for our sin and who was raised from the dead to give us sorry, to give us redemption and hope and forgiveness and eternal life and sonship with God makes it possible. That's why we have hope. Without the resurrection, as I've said, there's no, there's no closure. There's no next step. There's no hope for us, for our world. Uh, it, it, we just end up in a hole, buried, buried in a hole, along with Jesus, buried in the hole, uh, you know, crumbling to dust, there's nothing. And that's the way some people see religion and God and future and their lives and their expectations it's just crumbling. But I, I want to tell you, you know, as a Christian, now, as a Christian, no matter what we go through, I keep on coming back, you know. We, we all have our down times. But even in the down times, we, we, we remember that, that he rose again to give us life and that we enjoy having this life and that's where it all gets traction. That's where our faith gets traction in our lives. Jesus' story is not, a, it's not just a, a superhero story. Romans chapter 4 says, says that he was delivered for our sins and raised again for our justification so that we could be right with God. So Isaiah says, who has believed our report? You know, what are we going to do with this? How do we respond? Imagine trying, someone like Paul trying to explain this. In, Thessal in, in the town of Thessalonica, this is what he said. Paul and his companions had passed through Towns A and B came to Thessalonica where there, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and in three days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. And Peter's, Paul rather says, and this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. So the question that Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1 poses to you and I today is, are you prepared to believe this? Paul says, I believed it and my life was transformed. I believed it and I believed it and you believed it and, we, and our lives were transformed. He changed our lives. 
He changed our lives. It doesn't make sense. No, it's never going to make sense. There's, you know, we sang about amazing love before. Remember, if you sang amazing love, we used to sing amazing love. How can it be that you, my God, should die for me? It's, 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 it's totally unexpected. It's totally, it, it's so amazing. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. The Christian message doesn't make any sense without the risen Christ who comes to live in our hearts. He, take, he takes our sin and our guilt and our alienation and our blame and he nails it to the cross. He takes our failure uh, and, our, and our hurt and our disappointments and our sense of betrayal and he lays it upon the cross. And he says, now it's dealt with. You can leave it on the cross. It's gone. It's forgiven. Now you can have eternal life and you can have my presence in you. You can, you can walk with me. You can know that wherever you go, I'm there and I'll give you power and strength and authority to live for me. He says, I'm forsaken so that you can be received by God the Father. Do you believe that? He said he, he laid down his life because all my efforts couldn't achieve anything. All my efforts. But the Bible says that, um, you know, while you know, we were enemies, uh, God showed his love toward us in that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. I, I heard a lot of stuff going on in the airwaves about Easter and people saying, oh, you know, Easter is making the world a better place. You know, for the, and, I, and I'm thinking, no, no, it doesn't. The, the purpose of the gospel is not just to make the world a better place. The purpose of the gospel isn't just to make everybody cute. The purpose of the gospel isn't just to make everyone nice to one another. It's about confronting sin and going to the cross and dying and rising with him. When he died, we died. When he rose, we rose. And if we can accept that, that, you know, that, that he was there in your place and my place, that's the heart of the gospel. He's buried and we're buried with him and he raised, he's raised from the dead and we are raised from the dead and we have eternal life through him. You know, we, we hear it again and again. We sing it again and again. Well, let, let, let's, let's, let, let's live it. Let's live it. That's the story of, redemp of redemption and life. That's the story of Easter because we get to celebrate resurrection. We get to celebrate resurrection. Now, I know there's a lot of suffering still in the world. I, I talk maybe once a week with a friend of mine who's a pastor in a fairly large church in the northwest of Myanmar. And, you know, and there are people in the church who are, who are suffering. There are people in the church who are being arrested. There are people who have fled to India because they know they're going to be arrested. This pastor's son went to India. Uh, and, and every day I'm getting stories of things, you know, people who are being attacked, Christians who are dying. Uh, just because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time, there's a lot of suffering in the world. Uh, but it's in this context, as we read the passage of Jesus, the Messiah, the suffering servant, that we realize that we also are called to serve. Maybe you've experienced injustice. Maybe you still feel like you experience injustice. Maybe, maybe in your life there's this, this refrain of, you know, why me? Why me? God, why, why am I going through this? Why have you allowed this to happen to me? And, and uh, God says, well, life brings consequences. Sin brings consequences and life brings consequences. And I'm not 
I'm not diminishing the pain, the experiences, the suffering, the hurt, the disappointments that we feel from time to time. Maybe some of us have lived with that for years. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And what you feel, He knows, He gets it. He loves you because He's been there. He's been here. He loves you. And the example of Jesus, not just as the Messiah, healing, delivering, exercising great power, but the example of Jesus suffering is the way He provides a way through for you and me today. Listen to the words that you and I sang half an hour ago. And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me both now and forever. Will you do that? God, no matter what happens, there, there may be issues. I may feel pain. I may feel all the things that we, we've been talking about. But you have, through Calvary, through your own suffering, you have bought me eternal life. You have bought me the presence of God in my life now. You have brought me the peace of God in my life now. You have bought me forgiveness. You have bought me reconciliation. You have bought me peace with you and peace with the world, even though things go on and stuff goes down all the time. But based on what Isaiah had to say, and we'll hear more about it in weeks to come, because that's our theme this month, the suffering servant. Based on Isaiah's prophetic insight of Jesus, the Messiah, as a suffering servant, who is faithful to God's purpose in rejection and death and resurrection, we have the promise of a powerful life that He gives us today. Listen to what Peter says. I'm going to draw to close in a second. Peter, 1 Peter 2.25 says this, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. And you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. Instead, he left his hands, his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins, your sins and mine, in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Praise God for that. Praise God for that, that by the wounds of Jesus, we are healed. By the wounds of Jesus, we are forgiven. By the wounds of Jesus, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That because of Jesus' suffering, we have hope that, that, that no, one, no one else in the world can give us, only Christ can give us. He says, now you've turned, you know, it, it, once, once you were like sheep. And, and he's talking from Isaiah 53. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to the shepherd, the guardian of your souls. I'm so glad today that he's my shepherd. I'm so glad today that he is the guardian of my soul. I'm so glad today that I can put my hands in him and I can come to him just as I am. And say, God, I give you my life. You are the guardian of my life. 
I trust you. I believe you. I rely on you. I, I, I rest in you. And no matter what I'm going through and no matter what I'll face and no matter the suffering that I may see in the world around me, I give myself to you because I trust you and I know that you love me with a love that no one can take away. No one. No one can deprive me of that. People can try and talk me out of it. They can, they can do all kinds of things, but they can never take that from me. He was God and he became a servant so that we could become the children of God. And as he walked, he left us his steps and says, now I want you to follow in my steps and live in resurrected life. And that's why the message of the scriptures, that's why the message of this text of Jesus the Messiah, of Jesus the suffering servant, of Jesus the risen King is relevant to each and every one of us today. Do you believe that? Let's 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 thank the Lord. Let's 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 just let's let's praise Him, Lord. I, I just want to thank you, thank you, Lord. You give us life. Thank you, Lord. You suffered. You were rejected. You were called the suffering servant, but you're our hero today. You're our King. You're our Redeemer, and we thank you for that. And and we entrust ourselves to you. We put our lives in your hands. Our future is in your hands. Who we are and who we will become. Lord, we just want to entrust ourselves and surrender our lives to you today. We give ourselves to you as, a, as an act of faith. No matter what we've, where we've come from, no matter what we're going through, we, we give ourselves to you today as an act of faith in Jesus' name. Well, our heads are bowed. I don't know everyone here, maybe we're all Christians, maybe we're not. But maybe something's going on in your heart. And you say, Alan, you've been talking about hope and forgiveness and life and assurance and the presence of God in your life. And I don't have that. But today, I want to open up my heart and say, Jesus, I accept you as my suffering servant. I accept you as the Son of God. I want you to be in charge of my life. If that's you, well, our heads are, are bowed and our eyes are closed right across this congregation. If that's you and you say, I, I want to ask Jesus into my life today. I want this life that you're talking about. I want this, this future that you're talking about. I want the presence of God that you're talking about. Then, then I'd love to pray with you. Can I just, can you just signal that? Put up your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down. We'll pray together. Is that you? Anyone in the meeting this morning, you say, I, I want Jesus. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Is there anyone? Just put your hand up and put it down. We'll pray together. Well, if you're all Christians, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because, uh, you know, the, the message that we have from the book is the message that God wants you and I to take out into Canberra today. You know, we're going to confront negativity and issues and things that people will say, but we've got hope. And, and not, just, not just around Easter, not just around special holy days, but every day of the year. God is with you. He's with you wherever you go, and, and, and He'll give you the strength to live for Him. Amen? Amen. So, so take that. Take it to heart. And think about Him. Concentrate on Him. Not